Hello and welcome to another COVID-19 special edition of Pipettes and Politics. My name is Ben Korb. I'm the Public Affairs Director for the American Society for Biochemistry and Molecular Biology. And today I'm really excited to have Dr. Noni Burns. Dr. Burns is the Director of NIH's Center for Scientific Review. Dr. Burns, thank you for joining me. Hey, happy to be here. Hey, uh, the first question I have for you, it's the most important question I'm going to ask. How are you doing? How are you just personally managing through the pandemic and how's your health and how are you managing being holed up at home? Ah, uh, well, uh, health is, is good for now. Uh, so that's all good news. Um, you know, the first couple of weeks we were at home, it was, it was kind of fun and felt like, a uh, like a fun break. Uh, it's getting kind of old now. Uh, yeah. but other yeah. than that, uh, I think we're all kind of blessed to, um, to have jobs and to have our health. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah. I guess the answer is I'm holding up okay. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, the NIH Office of Scientific Review, why don't you give me just a, give the listeners um, just a quick overview of what, um, what is the office that you're overseeing there at the NIH? Right. So it's the Center for Scientific Review, and uh, we are one of the 27 institutes and centers that make up the NIH. Uh, except we are not a funding institute, so we don't have an appropriation. And our entire mission is to carry out the scientific peer review for the rest of NIH. And we handle about 75% um, of peer review that leads to funding for extramural. Um, that's about it. I could go into a lot more detail. <laughs> we also handle all the receipts uh, and referrals sure. um, of applications to institutes as well as to study sections. And just uh, out of curiosity, on average, how many re, you know how many review panels do you run over the course of an average year? Right. So, um, so we have in it's a large operation. This is our entire mission. Uh, we have around fifteen to sixteen hundred review panels uh, that we oversee every year, uh, and that involves um, about eighteen thousand distinct reviewers. Uh, who we interact with every year, and many of those come more than once. So, uh, yeah, it's a big operation. And, and typically those reviews are done uh, via in-person meetings. Is that correct? I mean, there are certainly some that have been done, uh, you know, in special cases remotely, um, but typically in a normal environment, those are face-to-face -face, uh, study section meetings that happen over the course of one or two or three days. Is that correct? Correct. Um, uh, two days normally, one to two days. Uh, a vast majority of our applications are handled. I mean, we do mo a vast majority of the R01 applications that NIH gets, uh, and a majority of our reviews are done in person. But we do have, you know, we do have a subset that are done either virtually by by web-based review or video-based uh, review, and even phone review, or some combination of all of those. So we we're actually very experienced in doing. Um, electronic forms of review is just, I think the circumstances now are different. Right. And, uh, so, and that all of our reviews are going virtual. Right. And so that leads into my question. So now, um, because of the pandemic, because of the stopping of travel and the shelter in place, um, all NIH mm -hmm. grant review panels are happening remotely via either video or some other technology. Is that correct? That's right. And we, we made that call um, in March. Uh, actually, uh, to be specific, like early March 9th or so, 
Um, and we converted all of our remaining meetings, even that were occurring in March um, and April, to virtual, either video, web, or phone. And then later on, we made the decision to move, on March 18th, we decided to move all of the summer meetings as well uh, to virtual. And how? Right. 100%. Have you gotten feedback from, um, from members of the review panels as to whether they, how they like that, how the process is going, how doing this, this really important work remotely is different than doing it face-to-face? So we haven't, you know, we haven't heard feedback about how well the reviews are going. I think people were just grateful when we converted meetings, even before we did this in March. Uh, we had uh, scientific review officers who were hearing from reviewers who were concerned about travel, even in early March, as you know, mm-hmm. this thing was just um, building up at that time. Right. And, and so we had some meetings convert early. And then I think when we announced that we were converting the rest, people, what I've heard is just a level of relief. Um, so I think I'm talking more about how reviewers are feeling about their health and, and, and safety sure. more so than um, their thoughts about the actual quality of what occurs. Sure. So there's relief, one, that they don't have to risk their own health and well-being to travel somewhere or, you know, anger family or, or spouses for, you know, kind of being forced to travel during this exactly. time. Um, what about... Um, is also relief that the work is still continuing, right? That even though there is a pandemic, that this that the, this really important work for all of science doesn't stop, that you're continuing the process going forward. Right, absolutely. I think, uh, and I think um, uh, ensuring that we don't lose a round of review due to this was really important, right? I mean, I think uh, we had many pending applications, people are preparing applications and they don't want to lose time uh, if at all possible. And we're, you know, we're very well set up. Um, you know, we have done electronic meetings and we had the system set up where it was not that hard uh, to move them over. Um, regarding, I think the earlier question you asked might have been about sort of quality of the interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've had some surveys and such that we've done in the past. Um, we have a different platform we're using now. Um, so it will be interesting to, to do post-meeting surveys Sure. Uh, and see what people talk. Yeah, I guess that's one of the questions that I have is, you know, a lot of people put a lot of value into the face-to-face interactions that you can have with other reviewers and really the intimate conversations you can have about the grant that you're reviewing and the discussion that's happening. Um, it sounds to me like you haven't received or seen feedback that would tell you that people are concerned about not having that or that there's a real loss um, or a real perceived loss in the quality of the of the the review that's happening as a result of moving from face to face to remote. Is that, you know, how, how was your perspective on that? No, that's, that's accurate. And I'm not, I'm not sure that that's not simply because people are just really swamped and busy and distracted uh, with what's going on um, right now, right. In their personal lives and their professional lives. Um, so I think that's fairly low uh, on their list of priorities to be thinking about the, the, relative merits of a virtual meeting versus an in-person meeting. But I recognize what you're saying, and I think I think that is something we're going to um, uh, look at after these uh, this round of meetings is done. And in some ways, it's a good experiment um, to see how far the technology has come, um, you know, the, the quality of the audiovisual. Uh, you know, in the past, I know when we started doing these, there was an issue with the technology. 
um, just it was a different experience. And if you've been on Zoom, you realize it's a completely different in-person, um, similar to in-person experience. At least that's what we're finding. We're you know, communicating with each other all the time. Right. So I'm, it will be interesting to see what the viewers think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, what I'm wondering is, is um, before this, um, the, the remote study sections that you did before, were they all um, using some sort of video technology or were, they, were some of them perhaps via just over a conference line? Because certainly an observation that I've had is um, you're sort of forced to pay more attention when your camera's on and when you, know, you can see faces and people can see you and maybe, you know, that putting your phone on speaker and then just kind of multitasking throughout. So um, have you noticed any difference there? Are all of the reviews that are happening right now using audio and video? Right. Most of them are using audio and video. And in the past, when we've done the non-face-to-face meetings, um, uh, the, what, what we've seen, the trend that we've seen over the last 10 years or so is that the video meetings were becoming more popular as an alternate source, uh, alternate format uh, compared to the uh, compared to phone or compared to the web-based meetings. And we saw that in the meetings we converted in March and April. A vast majority, we, I think we converted around 60 to 65, uh, 64 meetings that were in-person were converted with very little notice uh, to, to alternate formats. And we told staff that they could choose phone or they could choose video um, uh, or they could choose the web-based format through ERA. And a vast majority chose the video-based um, format. Are there concerns over um, the security, the confidentiality, um, being able to control the materials when you move to, from, a rem- from a face-to-face to a remote setting? Yeah, so we have, a, you know, so, so one, of the, one of the concerns that came on early um, uh, as we started converting the meetings is, is, um, is concerns regarding the Zoom platforms. If you've read in the paper, uh, you know, about Zoom bombing and, and, um, and these uh, uh, classrooms that are being, electronic classrooms and high school uh, classes that are being interrupted by, by Zoom bombs and, uh, and people, uh, you know, attacks and installation of malware. And so we wanted to be sure that people understood that the Zoom that they hear about in these articles is different from what we're using. We have a FedRAMP certified Zoom platform uh, okay. that we're using. So just just from the perspective of external threats and attacks, uh, I think these um, this is secure software. It's, it's the same one that's being used by the Department of Homeland Security, for example. Um, we have licenses that we obtained specially for this um, uh, this platform. Uh, it all of the traffic is managed in the U.S. by a U.S. company on U.S. servers, so it's uh, you know video traffic is encrypted and monitored, um, and so uh, you know this is not this is not the same Zoom that you hear about. So that's the first thing. Okay. The other thing is control of uh, who comes into the meeting, uh, and you know even as our staff um, interact with reviewers prior to the meeting to train them. Uh, they use a diff- even within the Zoom Gov, even within the FedRAMP certified platform, they use a different kind of room. When we run review meetings, that's even a more secure format. So if you as a reviewer came in, you would have to be let in okay. um, into the meeting room. And we have waiting rooms and such. So no, we're, we're very, very aware of that and, and have a handle on it. That's, uh, that's great and comforting. It, it, I think it's really important for um, grant, uh, you know, grant, People that have submitted their grants to know that that, that level, level of security exists. 
What about instructions for, yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I said, and we did put out a blog recently about that, just, just because we've been hearing those questions from our own staff as well as from reviewers. Mm -hmm. um, so we have, you know, CSR has a blog, uh, Review Matters, and we just put that out in the last, I don't know, couple of weeks. Um, again, okay. to reassure people about the security. Great, and we'll link to that um, in our description of this podcast. So anyone who's viewing this on SoundCloud can can link to the description and, and get a copy of that blog right there. Um, what about Thank special you. instructions to reviewers, particularly related to reviewing grants during this pandemic time? Have there been special instructions or anything that you've had to go over with or, or special circumstances that you've discussed with reviewers as they review and consider grants that they're, you know, getting um, during this this time. Right. So we're following, you know, the broader NIH guidance that has been published. Um, you know, uh, the NIH has made a number of concessions, especially related to grant applications and review. Uh, of course, the deadlines have changed. Uh, you might, you know, we can talk about that later. But in terms of guidance to reviewers, um, you know, we actually just had today a CSR um, all-hands meeting that we do before the start of each council round. Um, and we uh, told our SROs and, and, and to reiterate at the OER, um, Office of Extramural Research and NIH-wide guidance, uh, that, you know, to inform reviewers in their pre-meeting training that they should not in any way um, uh, uh, let uh, the the COVID-19 or the pandemic uh, issues or temporary emergency situations that arise as a result of that affect scoring in any way. They really just need to evaluate the application as is. So I think you might have seen that. That sure. came out yeah. um, a few days ago. Yeah. Yes, so we sir. just reiterated that guidance uh, specifically to provide that to reviewers prior to uh, even doing preliminary scoring. Mm -hmm. And review and then also reiterate that at the meeting so really it's important for a reviewer to not um you know not not knock a grant that they're reviewing with some assumption that you know oh gee well you, you say you're going to be able to accomplish this but you won't be able to accomplish that because the lab won't be open because of the pandemic or, or those sorts of things should not be carried into or taken into consideration while you're reviewing a grant Right, absolutely, and we'll be explicit about that. But you know, I, this is this is such a different circumstance, right? This is not just a disaster occurring in in some finite part of the country. Mm -hmm. Right, all reviewers are going through similar things. So I, I have hope in the system that that reviewers are also applicants. They're going through the same stuff, and I think what we will do is make sure we reiterate that and are explicit about it. Uh, but I actually think most people will not allow that uh, to affect, um, you know, affect the score. And if it does, we we will put a stop to it. But yes. What about um? Are there concerns that you have, or, or things that you are observing now in your role, um, that maybe aren't at front of mind, but but down the road concerns that you have that if if the pandemic response, if the shelter in place continues longer. Um, may need to be addressed? Are there things like that that kind of keep you up at night that aren't the main focus of people but we should be paying attention to? Well, I mean, I think the, the biggest question that we, uh, you know, that we get asked is what's going to happen to the fall meetings, right? What's going to happen? So we made this decision about the summer meetings, but what's going to happen to the October, November study section? Um, 
And, you know, I'm in the same place where you are and where everyone is, is that we actually don't know yet what things will look like right. in June, in July. Right. And what I don't want to do is make a premature decision about converting everything to virtual in October, November. Although I recognize that that may be where we end up needing to go. Sure. Um, so what I told staff today is that we're going to defer that decision till around June when we have a better sense of, uh, of how this is playing out. But, but, you know, in the end, we want our reviewers uh, to not take risks and we want our staff to not take risks. And the health, uh, health and safety is, is primary as a priority. Right. And I, I think the community really appreciates that and appreciates the, the tact that you're taking with this. Is there, is there any thought, and it's preliminary to be thinking this, but I'm just wondering, is there any thought to, gee, we're, we've proven that we can do a majority of, or we're proving right now that we can do a majority of review via, you know, via Zoom or in this remote setting. Do you think there might be any desire to try to extend that even post pandemic and maybe have, you know, more, um, more of a virtual review or remote reviews than the, than the in-person reviews? Do you think there might be a trend that goes in that direction? Is it too early to tell? Is it something that you all would consider? Well, certainly, I think, you know, one of the things that I think we're all seeing, um, you know, anyone from, from reviewers to, to applicants to our staff to, you know, my grandmother, everyone is seeing a, a, a lowering of the barrier having video-based interactions. You know, I don't know if you're doing, you know, family meetings by Zoom, but we're certainly yeah. seeing a lot more family than we used to right. um, in other states. And so I think I think certainly those, those who are um, nervous or think that things don't work as well uh, may gain some confidence in the system. And, and I, I think it would be, um, I think it would be reasonable to assume that after we come out on the other end of this, that we will look sort of at our broad 1,600 meetings and study sections and see and have some more flexibility. So I don't see um, a scenario in which 100% of our meetings will become virtual. Okay. Uh, but will it shift a little? Will, will the dynamic shift? Uh, probably. Uh, sure. I think some reviewers prefer it. Some SROs prefer it. Have you done, have you looked at it before? Like for instance, the, you know, something that I hear about is the environmental impact of doing face-to-face -face review versus virtual review. Have you, has your office done an evaluation on sort of what the carbon footprint of a study section is? We have not, although we've heard, uh, we're starting to hear and we've heard and starting to hear more about it. I think as the as our reviewer pool shifts, we are trying to make sure that we include a broader range of career stage uh, on our review committee, right? And so we're uh, encouraging SROs to recruit assistant and associate professors as well as full professors um, to their uh, to their committees. As you see, sort of uh, uh, the next generation of reviewer coming on board, they are asking us these questions, and I think they're reasonable questions to ask, and, and something we should look at. But no, we haven't done it yet. Okay, and an, another question that's sort of related is, is, is there the potential for, um, if, even if there's a small percentage, if there's a shift towards doing some more review panel, uh, remote review panels in the future, does that possibly democratize the pool of, review, of reviewers a little bit and diversify it and allow more people who maybe might not have had the resources to do the travel and take the time and do the face-to-face -face um, but can do it remotely. Do you think that that's something that you would also look at or consider? 
Uh, I think so. I mean, one of the things we're we're hearing from our staff is that you know the 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 positives that they're seeing in the in the virtual reviews this round is that they're able to recruit more people. People who may have said no before are saying yes. There's a level of flexibility if you have responsibilities in childcare um, or elder sure. care or other stuff going on at home. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I agree with you there. So it's fair to say that we're. You know, a lot of what's happening is a forced experiment in 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 trying to and and maybe looking back and, exactly. and finding out what we learn from this. And you know, we at the ASBNB have done we've put together a small online survey, and we've asked our members and we've we've asked our members to share it with colleagues, whether they're members of ASBNB or not, to kind of help to collect notes on their thoughts on what that virtual review experience was like, so that there is like a, contem- a contemporaneous recording or note-taking of what that's like. And that's something that we look forward to sharing with you and with your staff um, and working together to see if there are some really strong lessons that we may have learned um, from this force experiment, you know, and, and what are the outcomes maybe that we expected or didn't expect out of that? No, and, and I think that's, that's excellent. We'd like to see or we'd like to see your results. We're planning a, a sort of a broader, more systematic survey because uh, you know, it's interesting how it affects different scientific communities differently, right? Sure, so the right. people who are clinicians or the, the epidemiologists and such are being called to the front lines and it's easier for them to participate this way, whereas perhaps more basic scientists want to see each other uh, more. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that's the result. I'm just saying right. uh, as we, uh, it would be interesting to see what, what the society comes up with um, and also in the context of our broader survey. Yeah, the, we're, we're really excited. Um, we've had over 130 respondents to our survey. We're looking forward to sharing those dead, those uh, that data with you, um, you know, and just seeing how we can be a helpful partner to you in, in, in doing this well and in, um, in helping to design that it continues to go well in the future. Um, so, uh, Dr. Yeah, Brent, I want to... Absolutely. Yeah, no, I want to thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know that we're... Uh, these are difficult times and I appreciate you taking a couple minutes to talk with me and share with the listeners about kind of what the experience is, is like and what your experiences are there. So I want to thank you very much for your time. No, thank you. Great. Stay, stay, stay safe stay, and stay healthy. Um, that has been Dr. Noni Burns, the director of the NIH Center for Scientific Review. This has been Pipettes in Politics, a COVID-19 special edition. I'm Ben Corb, and I want to thank you for listening.